Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers on this weekend before Thanksgiving and hope you're making it a good one. So the holidays are here and WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey will be with us with his winter outlook. He'll join us a little later, talk about that and some plans that we have around here in the weeks ahead. That's later, but first, a big change is coming in Georgetown where Mayor Tom Prather has announced he will not be running for re-election. Prather has been mayor 15 years in total, including a term in the late 1980s and two recent terms. Over the years, Prather has devoted more than 40 years to public service, including 10 years on the Georgetown City Council and the Scott County Fiscal Court. What does he see happening in the future in Kentucky's fastest growing city? What does he see local leaders around Kentucky facing in this time in which divisive national politics has found its way to the local level? So we'll have an interesting discussion with Mayor Prather, and it's good to have you with us. Appreciate it. Good morning, Bill. It's great you know, to be with you. You were with me some months ago, and you talked about an agonizing decision about whether you would seek re-election. Why have you decided not to run for another term? Bill, it was a tough decision, and I struggled with it for a long time. Uh, surprisingly, I found that decision to be very emotional. Uh, I've just enjoyed so much uh, the service to our community. Uh, but when I came back to office uh, this last time, I said I would love to come back toward the end of my career for one or two terms and fix as many things as I possibly could. Uh, I've had those two terms. It's been a wonderful run. And I believe that uh, eight years might be the shelf life for a very active mayor. Uh, so I'm going to turn these reins over to someone else. It's come with some sacrifice. You told me you haven't had a vacation in years. Yeah, that, that's just an error in judgment on my part. But we get so caught up in these roles and responsibilities that I looked up and realized that in the seven years I've been mayor, I have not taken a vacation. I intend to remedy that. <laughs> We know that uh, this is a, a divisive time in the country right now. Uh, some people look at, uh, at almost everything through a political lens. To what extent has that made its way down to the local, supposedly, nonpartisan governments? It, it's become a very troubling trend, Bill. Uh, we see the intense partisan nature of politics that exists on the federal and state level becoming more and more prevalent in our local issues. Uh, I've always believed that local government is the place where we look for local solutions, not political solutions or party affiliated solutions, but just what's best for our local community. Uh, we're still trying to frame our conversations in that way. Uh, but the outside noise is getting harder and harder to overcome. You know, our cities choose nonpartisan governments. They have a choice. They could be partisan. Most have chosen not to go that route. Is that a reminder uh, to people to take a step back and look at things on the merit of the issue uh, rather than what's being said by, by a political party somewhere? I would hope that we can get back to that. Uh, when I became mayor the first time in my first tenure, Georgetown still had partisan primaries. Uh, and the result was a lot of people in Georgetown didn't get to vote in primaries. Back then, there weren't many re registered Republicans. I felt that was very unfair, and I introduced the nonpartisan elections to Georgetown. I'm proud of that. Uh, we have state level elected officials today from Scott County that are advocating our return 
to partisan politics. And I think that would be a terrible development. Georgetown has been the fastest growing city in the state in recent years, and the, the growth has brought challenges. Obviously, you uh, spoke with us uh, uh, a year and a half ago or so about uh, public safety and water and sewer capacity. Can Georgetown keep up with uh, the rate of growth? I think we can, Bill, but we have to do it very carefully. Uh, the latest census now shows that Georgetown is the sixth largest city in Kentucky. We overtook Richmond. By 2025, given the growth trends, we'll overtake Covington as the fifth largest city in Kentucky. That growth gives tremendous responsibility to local leadership to make sure that we have the infrastructure in place, that we have the public safety measures in place, to maintain the quality of life that we have in Georgetown today. And can we maintain our growth? Uh, that's probably the biggest question that we face into the future. I believe that we can. Uh, but we have to do so very carefully. You helped lure Toyota to town in the 1980s, and then you cooperated as they were getting set up and, and ready to go and hiring people and started the, the cars rolling off the assembly lines over there. How important has that relationship been over the years, and, uh, and is it as good, and are the communication lines as open as they should be? It's been an extremely positive relationship. Uh, Bill, for all these years. And I have to give Governor Martha Lane Collins credit for actually getting the plant here. We worked on helping say grace over it once it was here and to make it successful within our community. I think that 30 years later, this is not a startup. This is a mature production plant with mature expectations. And, and uh, I'm sure Toyota Motor Corporation has very strong expectations for their largest production plant. Uh, so I think that the natural evolution of this plant from a startup into a mature plant, uh, expectations change, relationships evolve, and we'll continue to work to make those positive. Work recently stopped on a $50 million sewer treatment plant that is a key to a lot of future development over there. I mean, yes. it's, uh, you, it was supposed to come online, I think, 2025. There was talk of a school, maybe subdivisions, other retail development. Do you see that getting back on track soon? We'll know very quickly. We began construction of this $50 million expansion of wastewater plant number one. Uh, six months into the construction bill, we learned from our engineers, our contract engineers on the project, that some of the structural engineering calculations were incorrect. And it threw into doubt the strength of what has been built. So we have hired a forensic engineering firm that is doing a complete review of the plans and what has been built to see if we can move forward safely. This, this sewage treatment plant sits on the banks of the Elkhorn Creek one of our most precious environmental resources, and we've got to do this correctly. Uh, your hope is that it's okay, right, obviously? I mean, if, it, if not, what then? If, if the consulting engineers come back and say we can take uh, certain steps to pour additional layers of concrete, we can possibly make up our construction schedule and get back on track. If this requires a tear-out and a rebuild, uh, then we're looking at cons considerable more expense and a significant time delay. Your local governments have a few options for revenue, especially the cities. The Kentucky League of Cities is pushing for more flexibility, uh, but 
some lawmakers are very concerned that if they allow the local governments to make the local decisions that it comes back on them for allowing that to happen and that they would be blamed for, uh, for raising taxes even though that decision would be made at the local level. Uh, do you see that impasse continuing? I think cities are in a very difficult position today, uh, Bill. We, the Kentucky Constitution gives very few uh, opportunities for revenue. They're very restricted. Uh, the General Assembly has the ability to give us more revenue options. Uh, I hope that there is a trust factor that local leadership is competent enough and responsible enough to handle those uh, opportunities in a reasonable way. Uh, one thing is maybe moving the restaurant tax to uh, more cities. Is Georgetown eligible for the restaurant tax? We are eligible for the restaurant tax today, having been a fourth class city yeah. in the past. Yeah. Uh, the real questions are what might the uses of those funds be? Mm -hmm. uh, and are they of true benefit to the city's general fund? Uh, to help with public safety Right costs. now they have to be directed at tourism. At tourism, yeah. uh, which is a very limiting factor uh, for cities to consider. Uh, you know, the Bluegrass region is, is centered on Lexington with several very distinct communities around it. Georgetown, of course, being one of those with its own identity and traditions. But can the region function more effectively as the half a million people it is or so and speak with a louder voice when it uh, when it uh, needs uh, to have something to say uh, or is that elusive as well it is a difficult challenge but it is so important that we continue to try to achieve that bill uh, to try and speak with one voice as a region uh, we're we're very parochial in Central Kentucky and we tend to stay in our communities and we tend sometimes not to get to know each other well enough. Uh, we're, we're more effective when we break out of those silos. We can look at the not-for-profit community and the model that they've given us for regional cooperation. We can do better. COVID came along, uh, the challenge of our lifetimes in many cases, and certainly for for local governments. Uh, do you uh, are you proud of the way Georgetown handled that? Do you have some regrets about how uh, COVID uh, has been dealt with the pandemic? You know, I regret what the results have been of our COVID experience because we lost so much time and so much momentum. What I'm really proud of that we did in Georgetown and Scott County is we, we created a three-legged stool between uh, the mayor's office, the county judge's executive's office, and Crystal Miller, who is the executive director of Wedco Health District. And we made decisions for city, county government based on public health. And we tried to work in concert with each other, uh, give technical assistance to our businesses, uh, help them find PPE, be, be a be a service provider if we could. And uh, while I'm sure we didn't get it exactly right, we sure did try to get it right. And uh, we'll continue to do that. You have another year left uh, in office. Uh, but as you look back in this term and maybe in your previous, do you have uh, any regrets about uh, how you've uh, run the city of Georgetown? Gosh. I think there are always opportunities to have done things better. And, and in retrospect, those are frequently easy to find. But our day-to-day -day effort to balance our economic opportunities and our quality of life, that's been a job we've taken up every day for 30 years. And I believe Georgetown has done it well. 
your location is both a, a great strength and a challenge, right? I mean, but being to some extent in the shadow of Lexington is a challenge, but at the same time, it's an opportunity because a lot of folks uh, live there and work here and, and back and forth. Yeah, it, it should be enough positives in this between Fayette and Scott County to where we can do this very well. Uh, cooperate. We work together on the South Sewer Line project. I'm very proud that we solved that environmental problem on the Scott Fayette County line. And my hat's off to the Lexington Urban County Council for being our partner in that. You never took the next step in politics. You've, you've always stayed with local government. We noted the uh, city council, mayor of Georgetown, on the Scott County Fiscal Court, back to mayor. Uh, over uh, those many years in service. There were a lot of people, I think, in Central Kentucky who were aware that you were a Center College graduate, that uh, you had a business background and, and all of that public service. Many people thought, well, one of these days we'll see from Tom Prather, you know, he's running for something. You know, he's going to run for Congress or uh, an office in Frankfurt or something. You never did that. Why? I really enjoyed the local service, Bill, uh, where it's up close and personal and you can make a very distinct difference. The other reason is uh, I enjoy the nonpartisan environment of city government where we can make an effort to, to have good solutions and not partisan solutions. Frankly, the, the political rancor at the state and federal levels is something that never attracted me. Uh, I enjoyed working on the local level where I can try to work with everyone. You have uh, indicated that uh, you will stay active uh, even after you leave office and you have an opportunity in this last year uh, to maybe make some decisions without consequences. Uh, so uh, what might you do in this last year in office and, and then thereafter? Well, when I came to the office this time, Dan, seven or excuse me, Bill, seven years ago, I did so with zero strings attached at that time. Uh, no job promises, no board appointment promises, no policy promises. And it was very liberating just to do what you think is right. I'm going to keep doing that for the next year. Uh, I have the good fortune to serve on the, the local central bank board. Um, I'm on the local hospital board. I'll continue serving the community in those ways and continue to be active in central Kentucky. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, did you. Uh so you, we'll see you. you you're, you're not going to disappear. <laughs> uh, I love Central Kentucky too much uh, to disappear. Do you anticipate that you will uh, uh, endorse a successor for mayor? It is possible. Uh, no one has filed yet in Georgetown for mayor, but I anticipate that one or more of our city council members uh, will file. And uh, I very well may endorse uh, one of those city council members if indeed he files. So there we have a, uh, we <laughs> I'm sure people in Georgetown know where you're going with that, right? So you're, you're still talking, uh, I guess, on that? Yes, uh, still waiting to see what that field looks like in its entirety. Uh, but we've begun important work that is not finished. And there's still stuff to be done on this agenda that we've been advancing. Uh, and, and I will be in favor of any candidate that wants to keep Georgetown moving forward in a real positive, productive way. What are you proudest of in, in, in these years in office? I think it would be good salaries for our police officers and, and firefighters. Uh, that would be number one. Uh, number two, I think, would be the fact that Georgetown passed a fairness ordinance. And I think that's a very important symbolic 
signal about the type of welcoming community Georgetown is. Mayor Pratha, thanks for coming by. We appreciate it. We appreciate over the years uh, you coming by, and hopefully we'll see you again before you wrap up your term, certainly. Good. Appreciate it very much. Mayor Thank Tom you. Prather from Georgetown, our guest today, and again, not running in 2022. All right, stay with us. WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey will talk about his winter outlook, and uh, it may have some of us shivering in the weeks ahead. We'll have that in a moment. Welcome back now to Kentucky Newsmakers and WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey, known for his passion for the job <laughs> and his particular interest in winter, as you probably oh, know. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just around the corner now. We're Hard to believe, huh? Thanksgiving week. Here we go and the holiday season. And Chris, uh, last week, unveiled his outlook for uh -huh. the winter. And uh, by the way, soon you'll be seeing more of a Christmas. How about that? Are together. you ready for we'll, this? We'll, we'll talk about that here in a little Reunited bit. Reunited and it feels so good, right? We'll talk about that. Let's talk about this uh, situation with the weather. I mean, yeah. you've, you've got me thinking about, you know, chasing the coats and the shovels a little bit. Huh? You know, I was, I was thinking, Bill, this is, I'm like the groundhog when it comes to an appearance on <laughs> Newsmakers here. I come out once a year right. and it's usually about this time of year. And if I see my shadow, you got a rough winter ahead. If I don't, things are better. Right? <laughs> you, you usually scare everybody. And right. Back in your home. Exactly. Right? Yeah. My, my uh, Kroger stock goes up, <laughs> Meyer, and all that stuff. What's going on, though? We, yeah. we look like it would be uh, fairly tough. Yeah, you know, we're coming off of a winter last year, Bill, that was really harsh. You know, we were much colder than normal. We had way above normal snow and obviously the devastating ice storms back in February. Now, what a lot of people don't want to hear potentially is that when I look at a forecast, what I like to do is look back at similar years. Mm -hmm. Take a look at this graphic. Let me show you what I'm talking about here. The forecast ingredients, Bill, the 2021 weather pattern. You know what the closest year has been to the actual weather of 21 last year? Really? Last year and this year have been very, very similar. We had cold springs, if you recall, both years. We had freezes deep into the month of May. You had April snows. You had a tame summer. You've had above normal precipitation. The pattern really hasn't changed a whole lot over the past couple of years locally. Then I look at the overall globe and we look toward the Pacific Ocean where it's the biggest, baddest body of water on the planet and it influences the weather across North America and especially here in the United States. And there's a La Nina out there and that just simply means the water near the equatorial Pacific is colder than normal. That's the second year in a row. Now this is going to be a little weaker than last year, but last year was a La Nina as well. So that's another uh, indication that that 2020 pattern is similar to the one we've got going on this year. And also look toward Greenland. You're thinking, what the heck are we doing in, in, uh, heading into Greenland? Well, you get a big high pressure up into Greenland. A lot of times that dislodges cold air and blows it down into the United States. That is what I'm talking about with what is known as a negative NAO. That's up over Greenland. You wouldn't normally think that Greenland would influence the weather here across Kentucky, but Bill, what that does forces that jet stream mm -hmm. to make a big dip like you're seeing there with colder than normal temperatures. Digs deep into the south, you know. It really does, and, and we saw that at times last year, and some of the worst winters that we've had in the past have featured that big block over Greenland. Now, you notice I say cold shots show up. 
I don't think that is the pattern for the entire winter. But as a matter of fact, here you go, Bill, across the country. I think the west averages a little warmer than normal. The east and south near normal. And we're going to likely be a little colder than normal. I don't think it's a brutally cold winter by any stretch of the imagination. But the average temperature should come in a little below the December through February average for Lexington is roughly 37. That's the normal. Last year we were at 33.3, I believe. So we were quite a bit colder than normal. And I think that continues this and year. Precipitation, we always get some snow. Oh, without question. So here you go. The winter forecast. The temps, we just talked about it, Bill. We're going to be a little below normal, but it's going to come with extreme temperature swings. And snowfall should be a little above normal again. Normal Lexington is about 15 inches. Last year we had 22, and I think we can do that a little bit better in the years that I look at that have been similar. There you see 2020, 2008 is on there, 2000, 2010, and then all the way back to 1995. You know, snow or rain gives mm -hmm. you some pretty good guideposts, but it's that in-between that mm. we love to mm. avoid if we can. Mm. It seems often, going in, say, February, you begin yeah. to get those situations where we're riding a temperature line. Yeah, you talk about ice in Kentucky now, and, yeah. you know, we've had... Up until last year, we had two major ice storms of record. You had 2003, the President's Day weekend ice storm that devastated Lexington. You had the one in late January of 2009 mm -hmm. that impacted more central and especially western Kentucky. Yes. Well, now the ice storm of record is going to has been supplanted by three ice storms that we had in a 10-day span back in this February was that, that was rough? that was centered central and eastern Kentucky for eastern Kentucky that's probably the worst ice storm they've ever had into that part of the state well yeah I mean it was tough it know, really was it, 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 even around here what we had uh, going on yeah it, it, unprecedented to have three ice storms in a row like that it's unprecedented to have two in a winter let alone three in a week if people want to see more about your forecast mm -hmm. uh, I know obviously you have your blog and oh, yeah. you can go to our website WKY WKYT.com will have it all. There will be uh, something on Facebook. Uh, there is something on Facebook right now for people to go and click on, and you could watch that and kind of get an idea of the winter forecast. Now, uh, granted, we're talking about a three or four month forecast here, so it's not going to work out perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just trying to give folks a general guideline gotcha. of where things may go. Oh, this we year. got you. There's yeah. a caveat. Right? There's always a Disclaimer. caveat. There's <laughs> always a caveat. That's all right. Uh, you and I will be seeing a lot more of each other here starting yes. Monday. November 29th and what yeah. some people may not remember is we've worked together quite a bit before long time yeah. you know not all we did the noon yes. and the 530 uh -huh. for what seven yeah. eight years late 90s and yeah. early 2000s and, and then we hit the morning show right for a couple of years <laughs> me you and Barbara shook that up for a little we bit did, it, we call ourselves the B team <laughs> it was uh, Bryant Bailey Bailey yeah. And, you know, so we had a great time on that. So this isn't our first rodeo by any stretch of the imagination. But it will be fun. Uh, you know, hats off to the tremendous career of Sam Dick. I mean, yeah. uh, it's been uh, fun to reminisce with him and talk about uh, all of the, the, the great stories. But we, we just we had a good time around here all as friends. And, and uh, yeah. people should know that. You know? Yeah, right. We are, it's, it really is like a family atmosphere right. around here, though. I mean, yeah, you've got folks that are, you know, that don't overlap in terms of their work. But it doesn't matter. We're all still friends. We all still know each other. We all still will, you know, like me and you through the years, even though we haven't been on the same shift for a while, we still will text oh, yeah. at random yeah, times yeah. during the day. And I'll, I'll forget, hey, 
it's seven o'clock and oh wait, Bill's asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and I see it at three o'clock and sometimes you're still awake. Right, right, exactly. I'm, I'm trying to get a blog out at three uh, o'clock in the morning sometimes. Our viewers also uh, should remember we do a lot of news over on the CW Lexington. Yes. We have a 630 newscast yeah. we'll be doing that and mm -hmm. Buzz Baker will, uh, you know, come in and rile things up as well. Yeah, and we're going to add to that. Yes. Stay tuned for that coming January 1. Let's say it is public 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock on the yeah. CW is yeah. coming. So we'll have that. Yeah. We'll have fun then. We're going to well. be on that as well. And, th and then, so you'll get a full hour and a half of me, Bill, and Amber. <laughs> 10 and then 11. <laughs> Huh? How exciting, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that's well, and I don't mind adding shows because if we're here, it might as well work. Right? That's right, it, and it will be fun, and uh, and look forward to it. To and quote my old friend Brian Collins, they still got to pay us the same. <laughs> <laughs> we don't count the words. That's right. <laughs> All right, Chris, a fun uh, look at the yes, update, sir. and we'll see you soon. And you we hope it. you'll stay with us in just a moment. We'll be back with Greta Van Susteren. Welcome back. A big week for Pfizer and the fight against COVID. The FDA and the CDC could be signing off on Pfizer's COVID booster shots for all adults. Pfizer is also seeking emergency authorization for its COVID antiviral pill, a treatment pill. The Biden administration is purchasing 10 million courses of that drug. But Pfizer is making sure other parts of the world have access too. Our chief national political analyst Greta Van Susteren has the details. Hello, I'm Greta Van Susteren, and here's your full court fast break. Pfizer making its new COVID pill, Paxlovid, more available across the globe. This week, the pharmaceutical giant signing an agreement with the UN-backed medicines patent pool. The nonprofit licenses medicine for low- and middle-income nations. This deal allows generic companies to make the antiviral medicine for 95 countries. That could cover more than 50% of the world population. Pfizer is waiving Paxlovid patent royalties in every country covered by the agreement while COVID remains classified as a public health emergency. And even after the emergency, Pfizer says it will not receive Paxlovid royalties in low-income countries. Pfizer is already manufacturing this pill, but remember, the drug has not been authorized yet. The company applied for FDA emergency use authorization Tuesday. It says its pill cuts the risk of hospitalization and death by nearly 90% in patients who took it within three days of symptom onset. And what about Merck's COVID pill, Molnupiravir? On November 30th, an FDA advisory committee will consider it for emergency use authorization. Data shows Merck's pill reduces the risk of hospitalization and death by roughly 50% in adults with mild to moderate COVID cases. Want more Full Court Press? Tune in Sundays. We bring politics home covering the national stories that impact you. And remember that you can catch Full Court Press with Greta Van Susteren this morning at 1130 on WKYT. Well, that's Kentucky Newsmakers. Thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you this week on WKYT News. You make it a good Thanksgiving week ahead.